Welcome to Unlikely Intersections, where we, <laughs> where intent, impact, and inquiry inspire our conversations. I am Dr. Terry Jackson, and with me I have Dr. Philip Brown, and we are at the intersection. What's interesting about what we experience at the intersection daily is that we have an experience there daily, whether we recognize it or not. We experience intersections at work, at home, at church, and at play. How we handle those intersections will determine the trajectory of our day and our life. How are you today, Dr. Brown? I'm great. I love our topic today because it's, uh, it's really the formula. Understanding today's topic is the formula to yes. navigating all the intersections. Because today we're going to talk about purpose. Yes. Purpose. And it's interesting because when we decided on this topic, I said, well, let me just do a little bit of reading around purpose, right? And what I found out was only about 25% of Americans have any idea what their purpose actually is. That's interesting. Wow. So three out of four people walking around don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Have no idea what they're supposed to be doing. They're just existing. Man. Well, it's interesting because I can see having a hard time being able to say your purpose in a few words because I struggled with that myself for a long time. But I could feel that purpose for a, for a long time before mm. I could say it. Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. about you? You know, <clears throat> I've always had a sense of why I was here. But it really wasn't until somewhere around 2003 that I actually put it to words. I remember waking up, looking in the mirror, not liking what I saw in myself and having a, a conversation with a friend. He said, well, Terry, you need to really find your purpose and, defi and, def re find and define your purpose and put it in seven words or less. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Seven words. Yeah. And so... I refined it for quite some time, and I finally was able to come up with something that was um, seems to be timeless now because I developed it in 2003. But as I review it on a consistent basis, it still remains the same. That purpose is, in seven words, helping others improve their quality of life. For me, that's all-encompassing. So if I meet someone and I give them a kind word, it fits. If, if I'm consulting and I'm helping uh, leadership, it fits. If someone runs out of gas on the highway and I give them a couple of dollars or I get a gas can and help them, it fits because it's all about the quality of life. That's so amazing. And, and really, it's not surprising how closely your and my purpose is. And we figured that out mm -hmm. after our first unlikely intersection back in 2018. But Actually, articulating my purpose took me longer. Um, and I thought back you know, all my careers and different things, because I've been a little bit of a, of a recreator of myself mm -hmm. through a number of different careers. But one thing that's always held true and where I finally landed mm -hmm. is I'm here to help people get better. And that held true whether I was coaching sports, mm -hmm. whether I was a public school teacher, whether I was a, a vascular surgeon, whether I was a healthcare administrator working mm -hmm. largely in public health and big picture things like that, whether I was working in the nonprofit world, trying to help people get different opportunities. And now it's really, you know, since I have developed such an interest in inclusion and equity, it is all about helping people get better, but it's not, in the sense of personal improvement as much as sometimes it is in how do I help people get better opportunities? That's part of it too. And so for me, it, it finally was a big relief to be able to just say that in a few words. And now like, I guess it's like the old thing they say, you know, you can only really figure things out looking backwards. Mm -hmm. And that was certainly true for me when it came to defining purpose. Yeah. You know, it was, Everybody, but what's my purpose? What's my purpose? Now, a little bit different is our friend, Dr. Rao. He says the purpose is just to be. Just be. That's it. That's all you have to do. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. But 
if I'm just being, then how do I help people improve their quality of their life? But I thought about it. I said, well, if I'm just being, that means that I'm being what my definition for me of purpose is, right? What my and I'm like, well, I'm I'm being that vehicle that enables them to improve their quality of life. And so I begin to kind of pull that together. It's like in a in a earlier episode we talked about um, being. You just have to be curiosity, and we talked about being meditation. So it's just being that help that helps others facilitate um, an an improved quality of life for them. So interesting for me. It's it's a connecting function, right? Like mm-hmm. we're always talking about we're always talking about connecting the dots. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's connecting the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've seen that play out so many times. Uh, and for me, I went through a struggle at one point in time because it used to be real difficult for me. I would say almost it, it would feel uncomfortable, almost a sense of pain to see people unable to envision how things ought to be connected or that connection was possible. And then over time, I just realized I needed to figure out how to help make those connections more intuitive for people, right? Mm -hmm. Like how do I help somebody navigate to a better opportunity that's really right within their grasp? Maybe they're just reaching a few degrees off of where they need to be reaching, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's something that hadn't been thought about and how do we help somebody use their skills Mm -hmm. to get to this place. It's really fun when you think of it like that. It is really fun to be able to to help someone else uh, achieve whatever their goals are, whatever their vision may be. Uh, Just a little guidance to the left, a little guidance to the the right. It's it's really uh, fulfilling. And, you know, when you think about your purpose, and I said this in an earlier conversation, when we think about our purpose, we also have to have some kind of blueprint around that purpose, right? And I mentioned the word architect, and you said that's kind of how you see yourself as an architect, to, to be able to create that blueprint that helps drive your purpose. Yeah, I mean, I joke around all the time, you know, uh, based on a Big Bang episode where, you know, the lead character, Sheldon, says, mm-hmm. I'm not crazy, my mother had me tested. <laughs> and, yeah. you know... It wasn't my mother that had me tested, but over time, with all the leadership uh, training that I've been able to get, I've taken all these different tests, you mm-hmm. know. And so in the case of the Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. inventory, I am that architect person, uh, that type, INTJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means certain things, right, of how you conceive of the world. And there's no better or worse with those types. It's just how different people navigate things differently. Right. Uh, so for me... It just is a natural skill set to see how things fit together. And a lot of people that I've worked with have have actually called that a superpower, right? Like right. it's like your power to connect people and things is is really uh, something that comes natural to me. Uh, and so I just have to figure out how how to use that and add it to the group, right? Yeah, like it's about right. adding it to the group because it's way different. So when I was a vascular surgeon, and my purpose was to help people get better. That was my direct work, right? At the end of the operation, you were there, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. at the end of the recovery and all that. Leadership is way different. So all along the line, understanding how to apply that skill set, not to my direct work, but my direct work was basically teaching those applications mm-hmm. or inspiring people to those different ways of thinking that enabled them to find a path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. Um, helping others find a path to their goal, their objective, their vision, um, whatever they're seeking. And to be able to witness that is so gratifying the fact that you were able to help someone else achieve what they wanted to do. It wasn't about you. It wasn't about me. It's about them. And that's what it means to be a true servant. And so I would be willing to say 
that when you are in your purpose and you're living and walking your purpose, it's synonymous to being a servant because purpose is always about helping those outside of yourself. You know, the other thing that it really does for me when I'm, when I'm really truly in that space, it gives me such a sense of gratitude mm-hmm. for the people that helped me along my trajectory, right? And there's a tragedy there, which is that there are almost certainly numerous people who touched my orbit and changed it so subtly mm-hmm. that I'm almost unaware of it or maybe totally unaware of it. And others have had a more direct effect. And it's easy to thank them, right? Mm-hmm. I still mm-hmm. don't do it enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it just puts me in that gratitude space to think of folks who had that effect on me, right? Help me to find better. Yep. I can think back on coaches, teachers, uh, managers, leaders, all who've touched me over a period of time to make me who I am. And I'm extremely grateful for uh, that because I guess they saw whatever they saw in me. And I never knew maybe what their purpose may have been something very similar to my purpose. And that was to help others because as I mentioned, when you understand your purpose and that kind of makes you a servant. And when I think about all that I've named, the teachers, the leaders, the managers, it was about the inspiration of Terry Jackson to get to help him along his journey to achieve whatever he was seeking to achieve and become whoever he was seeking to become. It wasn't about them. It was about them being the vehicle to help me and uh, that's what we are yeah you use the i word there which i love in the context of leadership i think it's perhaps the most important inspire Mm -hmm. and in contemporary leadership the inspiration is often missing these days Mm -hmm. and something we work on a lot of times in our groups and I, i know you know we've had this conversation a lot of times the talent is there. It's the inspiration from the leader that's often missing. And that may come in different forms, right? It may mm-hmm. come in lack of recognition. It may come in absence of humility enough as a leader to see that somebody else actually knows better. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of different ways it comes out. But to get to next level anything, it's about inspiring the people. Mm-hmm who are the experts at what they and they alone do and then inspiring those people to work together mm-hmm. with that common purpose. It's that old thing of, you know, creating a common purpose on a team and teams that have that are pretty good. Yep. I would, I would agree. And if they can, can turn that me into we, that purpose becomes much stronger right? Because they're doing it as a a collective. And that's extremely important in today's society, because I think we've become a society of uh, me. Everything is me. And we have to understand that no man or no person or woman is an island. And in order to get anything done, it has to be we. And that fits into that whole collective purpose that's extremely powerful. It's, it's fueled by the human spirit, right? It's fueled by the human heart. And so that leads me to the question, what is feeding your purpose? And how are you feeding your purpose? Wow, yeah, what a great, great question. You know, for me, what feeds it as much as anything is seeing the fruits of the efforts Mm -hmm. and with increasing levels of leadership throughout my life what was hard to learn how to do was to define define that effort right like because when I made the transition from a vascular surgeon 
to a healthcare executive, all of a sudden that direct work component was gone, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to be mm -hmm. able to see how that came full circle through other people. Now, that's when it really got fun, right? Because it's like you said, no, no person is an island, right? So actually reminds me of a poem my dad mm -hmm. used to quote way back by mm -hmm. John Donne, you mm -hmm. know, no man is an island entire of itself. But that's when it really got fun, when I realized the, the real power is in sharing power. Yes. And it is in what the collective performance can end up being. And I'll tell you a story. Mm -hmm. You know, I love Carolina basketball. I've always loved Carolina basketball. And I won't out the person who was subject to this intervention by Coach Smith <laughs> way back in the day. Mm -hmm. But I remember, and it probably was more than one over the years, but the one that I saw, this particular player was was not was not sharing the basketball like Coach thought he ought to be and everything. So he had this player play one on five mm. against the other players, right? And I think he scored a basket, and that was great. The other team got it. Of course, they got a really easy basket. And then it came time to take the ball out. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, he tried to take the ball out, pass it to himself. Coach blew the whistle. Gave the ball back to the other team. And over and over again. It didn't take very long for that lesson to sink in, is that all of us are better than any one of us. That's right. And playing together with that, with that sense of common purpose is – is just a force multiplier. That's right. There's there's no stronger force in the world than common purpose. You know, we see it in professional sports, football, teams are trying to get to the Super Bowl, NBA, hockey, baseball, there's a common purpose of everybody who wants to wants to win. For those teams where they may have some outliers, they have challenges. Because for whatever reason, the outlier isn't in step with the rest of the team around common purpose. You know, organizations, uh, profitability, uh, employee engagement, all that's around common purpose. That's why all of the uh, surveys that you see around employee engagement, are we aligned and what our culture is like, trying to build that common purpose, right, so that everybody works together for the greater good of the organization purpose you know for lots of people i guess for those 25 20 well they're only 25 percent who know their purpose the other 75 percent i just wonder what deep belief that they have that may or may not be driving their purpose what amazes me, and the question that, that I have, mm -hmm. is how do they keep going, mm. right? Like, I mean, they must be individuals who don't really have a sense of purpose well-defined, but continue to show up day in and day out and are driving hard, must have incredible stamina. You know, because you get this thing of purpose versus passion. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, mm -hmm. And I've always kind of thought of it as purpose is an unquenchable fire. Right. Passion can get snuffed out mm -hmm. pretty easily. It gets snuffed out by environmental factors that we know all uh, very few environmental factors are really within our control, right. if any. Right. And so passion sometimes burns out. Purpose never burns out. I agree. For me, I explain it as purpose as my why for existing. This is why I do what I do. And when I look at passion, I say, hey, it's an emotion. It's fleeting. One day it's up, the next day it's down. However, my purpose keeps me even keeled because regardless of how I feel emotionally, whether I'm up or down, my purpose keeps me moving forward into my why for my existence. And so uh, I think it was Simon Sinek who uh, wrote a book, and he said, uh, understand your why. 
Yeah. What is your why? Yeah, start with why. That's right. And what a great that's your book. purpose. Yes, and that is your purpose. And so many people walk around on autopilot because they really don't know their purpose. And I want to talk about that a little bit from the standpoint of purpose has a role in burnout. Mm. And I think of, you know, purpose is actually an antidote to burnout or mm-hmm. maybe a mm-hmm. foolproof vaccination against burnout mm-hmm. in, a, in a sense, right? Because the energy can be almost unquenchable. Mm-hmm when someone is really consistent with their purpose and what we see got to go to healthcare a little bit because mm-hmm. that's what I know. And what we see a lot of times is that so many of the frontline people are being distracted from that purpose, which in a lot of cases has to do with helping somebody has to do with direct patient care has mm-hmm. some component of, that hands-on piece. And as we've had different systems be developed in the industry over years, whether that's electronic records, whether that's other bureaucratic uh, hurdles, Mm -hmm. what you see is that this percentage of the time that that medical professional is spending in purpose decreases. And when it gets below a certain point, all of a sudden, They've got all the features of burnout, right? They get mm-hmm. apathy. They get, mm-hmm. you know, irritation. They can't sleep. They, you know, mm-hmm. think about quitting. Mm-hmm. In the medical profession, they think about suicide, which is mm-hmm. very common. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why we look in healthcare, and the lowest rates of burnout really parallel the highest rates of burnout in most other industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's a problem that somehow we have to figure out from a system standpoint, right? Like we can't allow systems to pull people so far from their purpose or it will destroy the people and the system. Yeah. And we see that right now that's our real battle uh, that we've seen. We saw it a lot in COVID. Mm -hmm. There were so many changes and people just really, you know, they were attached very strongly to their purpose early on. Then they had some real challenges mm-hmm. with stamina mm-hmm. because the, the pandemic was, was unrelenting. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, it still exists now. It's much different. We're in a much better place than we were. And we know a lot more because mm-hmm. we were curious enough to do research and learn things about the, the disease itself and have a lot more work to do there. But, that detachment from purpose is mm. such a huge mm-hmm. factor in burnout. You know, oftentimes those are the people I describe as they only come there to get the check, right? They do enough just to keep getting the check, right? They're just there and they're just in, in motion. I know during the pandemic, you and I had some conversations around, they were purpose related and we got to the core of what the purpose actually is in, in healthcare. And that is that the patient should always be the North Star. Right. Regardless of what you're doing, what department you're in, the ultimate goal is the satisfaction of the patient who's there trusting in not only healthcare professionals, but those who serve within the hospital system to make sure that everything is clean and safe for the patient. So the patient is always the North Star. That's that collective purpose, you know, uh, whether it's compelling enough in a written statement for everybody to know and understanding is something totally different. But the North Star is always the patient. And I think too often executives, managers, leaders get caught up in whatever is happening within their specific areas and missing that whatever challenge they're having and whatever solution they're going to provide they have to ask the question, how does this impact the patient who is the ultimate customer? As I said, the North Star. And I think, and, and not just healthcare, but in a lot of industry, it happens that they forget who the North Star is. And in any other business, it's pretty much the consumer. Yeah, when you start getting confused and putting the how over the why, you get in trouble. That's right. And yeah, it, the health system who says it the most simply and i'll paraphrase is mayo Mm. 
needs of the patient come first. That's right. And that's a, it's easy to remember. Uh, and it really says it all right. And as we expand what our definition is of patient, you know, it's not just somebody that's sick enough to be in the hospital anymore. Right. It becomes all the way out to how you define your fellow man, right? There, everyone is a patient at some level when you're talking about health as opposed to medical care or the medical repair shop, as I, as I say a lot of times. So those needs have to come first. Mm -hmm. And we have to be really careful distracting ourselves based on another th point I wanted to cover in here is the, there's, you know, we talked about common purpose, mm -hmm. but what about personal purpose mm -hmm. versus organizational purpose? Mm -hmm. And that's really what you were hitting on, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got a subsegment of organizational leadership who may have goals that are defined a certain way. They could be in total conflict mm -hmm. with another mm -hmm. peer mm -hmm. who has goals defined in a different way. Mm -hmm. And when that happens and there's a battle over what happens, if you don't have that North Star, if you don't have a way to prioritize, mm -hmm. or in biblical terms, to cut the baby in half, mm -hmm. you're mm -hmm. in trouble, right? That's right. And so that that becomes a really transparent across the culture. Mm -hmm. Even sometimes when in, in leadership circles we don't see it, right? But everybody else sees That's it. That's right. You know, we just get hung up on ourselves. Starts with self. That's we right. say it almost every every time. That's right. You know, it's a self-awareness right. piece. That's right. So how do we navigate that sense of personal purpose and organizational purpose? When there's a conflict, what needs to happen? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's an interesting point because I often say that initially when you join an organization, you join an organization because their vision and their purpose is consistent with yours. Over a period of time, working in that environment, all of a sudden, there is a vision or a purpose that kind of changes, right, for whatever reason. Um, and then, as you say, what happens? What do you do? How do you get people back on the same sheet of music when there is purpose that's um, somehow been modified or it's, it, it's the perception of it has changed either in the employee's uh, mind because of something that happened with the manager or some, some of the employees, they, 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 their employees that they're working with, right? And, and it, it changes in how they see it. But when you have the ultimate purpose of the patient, regardless of what the changes are beneath, when you keep driving home that your ultimate goal here is to serve the patient, the patient is the North Star, it's hard to lose that. So there's a constant iteration, a reiteration of what that purpose actually is, whether it's on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it's a weekly basis, whether it's up on the wall, and as soon as you walk in every day you see it. We are here to serve the patient. Uh, outside of that, if there's anything personal, then we have to do what it takes to rein that person back into what the purpose is. And a lot of organizations who don't constantly talk about that, right? Or they talk about it and it's not authentic. They talk about it, but yet when you see their actions and the decisions that are made, the decisions are totally different than those that relate to what the actual purpose is. Actions always speak loudest, right? I That's mean, right. no question about that. But it really right. reminds me of uh, our friend Ryan Berman. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he talks about, you know, courage is, is his shtick. But I remember a session that we had, and he was talking about believership. Yes. Right? And so that when you have a common purpose, what you're really talking about is a community of people who believe in the same thing. That's right. right. It, you know, it doesn't mean they don't have individual differences, right? But it does it does mean that they believe what they believe. Like in the case of the Mayo Clinic, they believe that the needs of the patient comes first. And we're both guys who spend a lot of time on culture, and it's really evident when there's a gap, mm -hmm. right, or when there are different belief systems going on all the time about what's most important, and we see that as a very destructive force in any organization, right? Is when you have a bunch of different 
Mm-hmm. Priorities, it's the whole thing. That's right. Nothing's a priority. That's right. That's right. And it's incumbent upon leadership to understand with all the dynamics that are happening within an organizational environment on a day-to-day basis that they have to continue to reinforce and reemphasize what the purpose of the organization is. And their actions have to be consistent with what they're saying. If you're going to say we are uh, patient-centric, but yet you're more concerned with negotiation of my salary, uh, the negotiation of my benefits, um, and not wanting the same for your employees, then employees will quickly see that, you know, there's some finagling going on, some BS that's happening, right? <laughs> and it's not consistent with what's being said. Well, that brings us back to, you know, one of the things that happened in almost every health system during the pandemic is massive turnover. Mm. And so you look at organizations that have even deep cultures that that believe have common beliefs, common sense of purpose, and give them a highly stressful situation, and then a turnover of thirty plus percent. Mm-hmm. That changes culture. That changes believership, and it really, to me, creates a, a new imperative to go back to fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And as a leader, it's interesting. One of the things that I've always believed, interested to hear what you think, is that the leader can't necessarily dictate the culture. Mm. But the leader has tremendous influence on it, but the leader has to listen. Mm -hmm. The strongest thing to do is to listen well enough to hear features that are attractive and then allow those themes to emerge and really reestablish that common sense of purpose through that. So you're not just, you know, you can't make a mandate on culture, Mm -hmm. right? The culture Mm -hmm. exists because all humans are different. All people are different people. They come from different backgrounds, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. But creating that common purpose requires you to go out amongst the masses and listen first. I would agree with that 100%. And when you can identify those elements that the people are talking about and what they would like to see in their culture, then as a leader, you begin to communicate in such a way to mold those elements to be the elements of the organizational culture. And so as you speak in your, in your, in your speeches to, um, to the organization, as you write in the newsletter to the organization, you're always including those elements. So now you become but the molder of the elements that the people wanted. And if you're continuously listening, as those elements change, you begin to speak toward the changes in those elements. And so... I wouldn't say that it was reactive, but you become a molder and shaper of that particular culture, given what the people want, because you're there as a CEO and executive to serve the people and the people are going to serve the patients ultimately. But you got to have your people happy so that they can happily serve the North Star, which is the patient. And sometimes we get lost in that as, as organizations and sometimes the leaders want to be served themselves because they've lost focus or what the priority actually is within the culture. And the culture is really about the employees who are going to serve the ultimate uh, client or the patient. Yeah, that's so, uh, so right on. And I so believe in that concept is that, you know, the organization has its purpose, which is ultimately what, it does right mm-hmm. pick any industry or whatever for us it's take care of sick people help people stay healthy mm-hmm. but a lot of the reason for existence 
of the organization is different from that purpose. The reason for existence of that organization has to do with the members of that organization, mm -hmm. right? It gives them a place to do worthwhile work. Mm -hmm. It gives them a place to, in some cases, change the world, but to make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. And organizations that are in communities give viability to those communities based mm -hmm. on providing an opportunity for people to come and do good work mm -hmm. and make a difference for others and get personal fulfillment. And that takes me back to earlier you were talking uh, the me versus we. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to explore that a little more because I think people get that confused a lot of times, right? Like the we part is that collective purpose. It's what we do together. It is also very much how much we take care of one another mm -hmm. and have each other's back in a healthy kind of way and mm -hmm. support one another when it's needed, right? The me part is the personal fulfillment that comes by being a part of that. Mm -hmm. And at times it is also, to me, kind of like any team, there's a time where a different person may be the weakest link, right? Maybe they've got something going on at home. Maybe they have an injury. Maybe they've been through a really difficult experience of some sort. In, in healthcare, maybe there's been a recent, uh, mm -hmm. you know, patient outcome that's troubling them. And in those cases, the me has to be taken care of and shorn up. But a lot of times that's by the we, mm -hmm. right? One of the things that we've used in our organization and still do to this day is families first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If somebody is struggling and needs time to take care of their friend, neighbor, family, especially. That's number one. And the rest of the team says, we got you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that way of conceptualizing the me versus we is an important piece of it because mm -hmm. it's that team. That's the environment that we all uh, thrive in, mm -hmm. even if we don't believe it, right? Like different ones of us, like different levels of recognition. Mm -hmm. It's all a personal thing. Again, that old, you know, the Ted Lasso thing, right. all people are different people, right? That's right. A leader's job is to understand what that is and try to give them that type of feedback and that kind of thing. But understanding that it's, it's the strength that we draw from one another, whether that's across communities or within an organization, uh, it's that strength that enables us to get the me, we right. That's right. That's right. And an organization as the, the healthcare organization that, that you work for, the ultimate purpose is the patient. And as you said, the patient might be outside the walls of the hospital, right? And so the patient is community as well. Healthy from, from a health perspective, from a spiritual perspective, from an economic perspective. That institution is to help improve the health and the wealth of the entire community be it patient or not. Something you said earlier, we talked about, we mentioned the word architect, right? Around purpose. So as an architect, and I mentioned the word blueprint, you know, organizations have strategic plans. That's that kind of blueprint that they kind of work from a three to five year, how, you know, whatever their visions may be for the, for the organization. But as an individual, it's also equally important for an individual to have a kind of a blueprint, if you will, to help drive, you know, the purpose. You've mentioned to me on several occasions that a part of your blueprint, you have what is called a personal board of directors. Talk about that a little bit, because I, I don't think that many people are familiar with that. Or if they're familiar with the concept, they have the courage enough to go out and to solicit a personal board of directors to help them stay on purpose. Yeah, I'm going to give away the secret sauce. Here, <laughs> Great question. <laughs> and I stole this concept. I didn't steal it. It was, it was given to me by, mm -hmm. by my dad. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, this whole concept of a personal board of directors mm -hmm. um, can be a tough crowd. 
And it should be. Yes. Now, they'll always have your back. And if you do it right, they need to be a lot different than you. Mm -hmm. So my personal board of directors is people that are, I'm connected to mm -hmm. over the course of a lot of, you know, some are new, some come on to the board and rotate off. There's some stable players mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. You're mm -hmm. on my personal board of directors, mm -hmm. whether you know it or not. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, but there are people who you trust mm -hmm. to tell you what you need to know <laughs> and not necessarily what you want to hear. There are people that you trust enough to ask them candidly, what am I missing? Am I out to lunch here? Is this right? What other ways of thinking about it might there be? Which is why it's so important to have people that are different from you. And that can be in all the dimensions of diversity, right? Yes. Like race is certainly one of them, especially given the constructs of of our society right now, mm -hmm. but it has to be gender. It has a lot of times, you know, sexual orientation, gender identity, mm -hmm. age differences, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's hazardous to surround yourself with only your contemporaries. That's right. Because you're going to miss a lot of stuff. I've got kids on my personal board of directors because mm -hmm. I want to, I want to hear the future. That's right. Right. And so, you know, Everyone is not an equal member necessarily, um, but I, I like to identify people and I like to really conceive of it as if they're the person. When I'm communicating with a member of my personal board of directors, I conceive of it as if they're my boss. Right. And that puts me in a more curious place because I'm trying to succeed mm -hmm. by understanding what the boss is trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just, to me, it's a, it's a helpful way to navigate life and rich relationships get born that way. Mm -hmm. I would agree. And, you know, <clears throat> that's the beauty of this whole thing around, you know, both of us have coached individuals, you know, professionally and, and, and personally, but that's the beauty of that, right? Because a coach kind of automatically becomes a part of the board of, uh, directors, right? Because, you know, the coach's job is, and I, I like to use this analogy, is is to be sandpaper, right? Because you're trying to make the rough edges smooth over a period of time. And so there are going to be some tough conversations and some real vulnerability there, right? But at the end of the day, regardless of how vulnerable you are and how rough the conversations may be, it's really about helping you to achieve and live in your purpose, Right. That's what it's ultimately about. Um, but that personal board of directors is so important to keep us accountable to ourselves. Right. And, and as you said, you know, I, I know I I talk to my daughter from time to time. And I just ask her questions and she doesn't know she's on my personal board of directors. Right. But she keeps me fresh. You know, as you said, the future, understanding the future, understanding what's going on at the present with those who are younger, because in the circles that we walk, we, we encounter all types of people from all age groups, and we have to have somewhat of an understanding of what they're thinking, what their experiences may be, so that we can relate to them, because it's it's within our purpose to be able to uh, relate to them in order to either get them to help us or for us to help them. That is spot, spot on right there, man. And it just makes me think, you know, um, I always tell folks, I say, I'm coachable. It just takes a little longer sometimes because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, what you yeah. find out is, or what I've found out is education and training and experience is both a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. It closes off certain things, sometimes so much so that I lose some self-awareness mm. of some very fundamental things. And to have somebody on that personal board of directors, whether it's a family member, mm -hmm. a close and trusted friend, mm -hmm. who can just ask you that tough question and say, you know, 
that sounds pretty judgmental. I thought you were curious about things. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, yeah. Sometimes it's just something that, you know, maybe it's over a, you know, some chicken wings right. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. that's right. You know, that's you sit right. there and, and it just is, uh, you cultivate that atmosphere. And it's really, um, the board of directors becomes family to a certain extent, right? It's a big, different family. Some organizations that I think have done it pretty well, and you, mm -hmm. you hear about them all the time, things like Carolina basketball family, mm -hmm. Duke Brotherhood, mm -hmm. you know, uh, those things have some serious efficacy in mm -hmm. uh, common purpose and in feedback to one another and mm -hmm. using each other uh, as trusted resources. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's, there's little substitute for that component. Again, I keep, I, I keep talking about it, but the diversity piece is really important mm -hmm. in that personal board of directors, and you have to listen. That's right. You, you don't want anybody who just thinks like you, right? I tell people all the time, I don't want you to think like me. I just want you to think. Right. And share with me what you're thinking. Let me take it and analyze it and see how I can use it, uh, whether it's good or bad information. I can utilize it. Right. And then again, maybe who's my place to judge whether it's good or bad. Um, you talked in another episode about suspending judgment. Right. Which is critical. Uh, but it's difficult to do, given how we are raised and given the society. Right. And and analyzing all the time those mental models of why we see things the way we see things, right? That self-awareness piece. But if we're always going to be rooted in purpose, then we have to go through what I call those mental calisthenics to check my mental model and make sure that I suspend the judgment so that I can see this thing as objectively as I possibly can, which is difficult to do for human beings because we are so subjective, right? Um, but when you understand the purpose of it and you can ask yourself, am I walking in my purpose? What I did, did what I just do, was that really truly rooted in my purpose as a person? Um, and if you're truth with yourself, sometimes you'll find out, yep, that was within your purpose. And other times you just, nope, it wasn't. <laughs> and so you need that personal board to kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. And that's where, you know, one of the things is it's important in those cases to remember and forgive. Mm. That's one of my favorite terms, right, in personal development, right, is that I need not beat myself up relentlessly mm -hmm. over a departure from my purpose. I mean, I didn't do it on purpose, mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I need to remember what happened, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? So I build in space that maybe it's just a split second to think differently so I can act differently. One of the keys to inclusion, right, is how do you create a little bit, just a little bit of space in there so you don't jump to a conclusion, mm -hmm. so you stay curious a little bit longer uh, so that you can identify common purpose when it exists mm -hmm. uh, or differing purposes when it exists because that's important too. We haven't really talked about the, the opposite side of this. Like there are certain times where those differences in purpose are in conflict in a way that's, that, that just won't work together. Right. And that's okay in most cases, right? It's not personal. You might have a real conflicting purpose with someone who's one of your closest friends. Mm -hmm. And so there are just certain parts, certain things you wouldn't do together. Maybe right. it's business right. or maybe it's whatever. That's okay. It's also the richness of the differences that bring something to it too. But you got to identify it and you got to, you know, sort of really be aware That's right. of where those similarities and differences That's exist. That's right. That's right. It's like uh, I, I used to hear, I think it was Dr. Cornell West, says you, in, in order to lead the people, you got to love the people, right? And you love them with all of their warts. That means he could be your best friend, but that's one thing that you and your best friend just don't do together. Doesn't mean he's not your best friend. Don't mean you don't love him. We just don't do this together, right? Because it's not a part of the purpose. But we get together often. Um With this thing called purpose, 
that we try to walk and, and, and try to live. It doesn't mean that we're purpose, that we are perfect, excuse me. Um, it just means that we have a way of life that we're going to try to work within to ensure that others are happy and that we are, in fact, um, happy. When I think about my time on this earth, right, and when I think about why I'm here, I've, I've articulated uh, earlier, helping others improve their quality of life, right? And it's interesting how I can reflect and look at things that others did for me and the things that I do for others and how they were so consistent. As if there was a plant, right? It was like my purpose and their purpose was the same, but I didn't know it. It's like you and I talking about helping people, right? It's the same. We're from an unlikely intersection, right? But we're the same. And so too often what we do as humans is we look for what makes us different. What are our differences? What are our differences? People don't come together based upon differences. They come together what they have in common. So we have to get to the fundamentals and the foundation of what do we have in common. More than likely, there's some, there's some consistency of the purpose, even if you don't know it, when you begin to ask questions when you're curious. And also, there's going to be consistency around who we are just as human beings, which brings about in inclusion. Because at the end of the day, Part of the purpose should be about being inclusive as well. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, that really brings me to it. It's a mental model that we can create for ourselves and, mm -hmm. and within our groups. And sometimes it's pretty simple to do. Mm -hmm. Right. It's well, it's simple to describe. It's not always easy to do. It's like so many things we talk about. But, you know, a real simple uh, tactic that you can use is in meetings is as an evaluation, just ask if everybody had a chance to get their voice in the room. Mm -hmm. Do you feel heard? Mm -hmm. Right. And that's such a powerful tool because it does two things. One, you get the feedback of, did they feel like they had a chance to say something? Mm -hmm. But you're also setting an expectation over time that says, I want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Right, you're inviting mm -hmm. belonging into the room and mm -hmm. setting it ultimately as an expectation, and you see that really done well uh, in a lot of teams. I know there's several really good teams that we have in our organization, Novant Health, that that is just a one of a mm -hmm. one question of mm -hmm. a four question meeting evaluation we try to do very consistently, right? And it creates that inclusion over time. Mm -hmm. What has been amazing to me is how obvious it is when that's present and when that's absent. Mm -hmm. It's a fundamental dynamic change or just that one little thing. And it's a simple mental model that anyone can use. Yeah. You know, we think of purpose. We think of people like Dr. King and Nelson Mandela and Gandhi and Mother Teresa. We think of a lot of people, right? And some, of, some people have, quote, unquote, have died for their purpose. But what's even more powerful to me about purpose is how much are you willing to live for your purpose? That means a lot of sacrifice, right? That means a lot of vulnerability. That means challenging your mental models and being curious because you want to live it out in such a way that you're impactful on others, that your intentions are always good, um, and you produce a fruit that you can be proud of. So how many people are really willing to live for their purpose? That's uh, what I like to hear people talk about. Uh, and that really shows the selflessness of that person and their purpose for existing. 
And what you're really talking about is the definition that I like to use for integrity. Mm. Right? I, to me, integrity is the act of being whole. Mm. Right. Mm. So mm-hmm. if I'm being consistent with my purpose, if my purpose is, is, is X and I'm doing X, mm-hmm. that's integrity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. If my purpose is X and I'm doing Y, mm-hmm. there's a lack of integrity. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times, unexamined, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. That gets to the importance of your personal board of directors, self-examination, all those kind of things. It is not until you're spending, you know, a huge proportion of your time with integrity, with behavior that is consistent with your purpose that for me, I really began to find true meaning, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, mm-hmm. and really it's just, it's just a better way to live to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel better. It helps me have hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps me feel like there is a bright future that I can be a part of, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like at the beginning of every season, if you're a really good team, like a Carolina or a Duke basketball team, mm-hmm. you're likely going to set a goal to make it to something like the Final Four, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. like you're going to have – there's that bright future. And then you go backwards and you create the steps that it takes to live into that bright future. Yep. So to me, that's, you know, that integrity piece. Be consistent with what your purpose is mm-hmm. and be reflective that that's really what's happening because it's mighty easy to fool yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Try to remember this movie. Oh, and I can't think of the name, but Halle Berry played in it, and she was uh, an MMA fighter, and somehow she'd gotten off her road of fighting and alcohol and drugs, and her mother was taking care of her son and then I think her mother died and so someone brought the son over and you could see the change in her as she had to rear that son and I remember watching the movie and seeing the transformation in her going from this alcoholic like a like MMA fighter to becoming more responsible, having to learn what it is to be a mother. And the thing about it is she thought that her child couldn't talk, and so the way she communicated, and she was living with a boyfriend who didn't want the child there. But in every step of the movie, what you saw was, and what I thought in my mind was purpose. Her son began to give her purpose back, her purpose for existing as a mother, her purpose for being a fighter, and training hard and wanting to win again. She had somehow lost purpose for whatever reason, but her son coming back into her life reignited whatever that purpose was. And you saw that transformation of her becoming more responsible and training harder because she had responsibility for a child now. So her purpose as a fighter came back. It's an awesome, awesome, awesome movie. And I think it's on Netflix. But it, that was the first word that popped in my mind when I saw all of that happen with her. I said, wow, she got purpose again. And purpose is so important for people to live. You mentioned the word hope. That's anonymous purpose and hope. You know, kind of synonymous. Without hope, you don't exist. Without purposes, well, I guess without purposes, because it's seventy-five percent of Americans walking around and don't have any idea <laughs> of what their purpose actually wow. is, right? Which is which is uh, amazing to even know that that is the case. You know, it's like being an android and just walking around and not knowing, versus what you do know. And I guess for those people that we see with purpose and the business is built upon purpose, those are the ones that that not only survive, but they thrive, as you mentioned uh, much earlier. And they're probably so much more successful than the run-of-the-mill businesses. It's you know quite interesting. But purpose, the importance of purpose can't be downplayed whatsoever. Yeah, it reminds me of the, you know, this whole consistency with your purpose and, and, and reattaching to it like you described with the Halle Berry movie. Kind of reminds me of the legend of Bagger Vance mm-hmm. and the authentic swing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. it has to be remembered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so often I know in my career, 
if I have found myself in a struggle, it's peeling back those layers to remember mm-hmm. why I'm doing this in the first place. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a very powerful tool to mm-hmm. reattach to purpose. And when I get out of sorts, mm-hmm. you know, I get back to bagger vance and mm-hmm. has to be remembered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, even the business I'm in, executive coaching, consulting, ultimately I'm in the people business. And so being in the people business, it can only be about purpose. Can't be about anything else because I'm either helping someone improve in a specific area uh, as a coach or helping an organization improve in a specific area, uh, which helps the organization, but ultimately it helps the people, right? Because it's basically about either changing a mindset or uh, earning a skill set that is going to help. And so I love being in the people business. That's why, that's exactly why I got into this business because it's consistent with my purpose of helping others improve their quality of life. Well, I know you've helped me a lot along the way. It's been a great, uh, a great uh, addition to my board of directors. Hope you'll stay. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully I won't get fired. (laughs) (laughs) But we really want to thank our audience today for listening to us at Unlikely Intersections. If you want to catch up with us, the website's unlikelyintersections.com, or you can catch me on LinkedIn at Doc Phillip Brown. You can catch me on LinkedIn at uh, Terry Jackson, Ph.D. We'll see you at the next Unlikely Intersections.